Welcome back to Harris's Sports Take on Thursday, November 22nd, 2018. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I hope everyone's enjoyed their their day of relaxation and, and feast. Hopefully taking in some great football today for some teams, not others. In this episode, I will recap Tennessee's devastating home loss to Missouri this past Saturday at Neyland Stadium, and we'll look ahead to the regular season finale against Vanderbilt in Nashville. I will also look ahead to a huge college football game on Saturday, Michigan and Ohio State. I will also recap what took, what took place in front of us today on, th- on Thanksgiving in the NFL. Let's start with Tennessee, as we usually do. It was just disappointing on Saturday. 50-17. to 17. I did not think we were going to win, but 50 points? Come on, Jeremy Pruitt. You have to be better than that. 50 points shows lack of preparation, effort, and execution. I know Drew Locke is good. I know Missouri beat Florida badly, but you can't give up 50 points in November. Where was that Tennessee defense against Kentucky? Where? Did they just decide to disappear and go in la-la land and act like they won the national championship after winning one game? That's just not acceptable. I was hoping we would get some consistency. I wasn't needing a win to see that consistency, but hopefully but hopefully they can rebound and show that they really have made some big improvements by the end of the season this weekend against Vanderbilt. But I'm not done with Missouri yet. You convert two third downs, Tennessee. That is pathetic. You're outgained in total yards 484 to 255. You only have 173 passing yards. You give up 227 yards on the ground. You have six penalties for 79 yard for 59 yards, three turnovers, and you only have the ball for 22 minutes compared to Missouri's 37. Sure, stats. Sure, those stats don't always predict what's going to happen in the final score. Quarterbacks can throw for 400 yards and lose to an opposing quarterback who throws for 100, but they're usually a good indication. That's just not how you win football games in the Southeastern Conference. In the Southeastern Conference, in my mind, the best conference in football, I'm a Southern guy, so I obviously have some bias, you have to show up every week. I don't care if you're Alabama and you're playing Vanderbilt. You have to show up every week because teams will give everybody their best shot. Coming in on the road, hostile environment, senior quarterback, you got to be prepared to go against them. And they just were not. And they get another opportunity this weekend against Vanderbilt in Nashville, which really should be a home game for Tennessee, to finish off the season on a high note and get to and get to the and get back to a bowl game after a 4 and 8 disappointment season last year. What also is at stake this Saturday? If Tennessee loses to Vanderbilt, this will be the first time since ni- the 1920s that the Vols drop three straight to the Commodores. I don't care how bad Tennessee is, and I don't care how good Vanderbilt is, there is no excuse to be losing to that team. 
Vanderbilt is a fine institution with high academic standards and does not have the athletic facilities nor resources to be on the same level as Tennessee. Tennessee does not have as strict of an academic program as Vanderbilt does in terms of the requirements needing to be met. So they are able to get all the top guys. No excuse to be losing to that Vanderbilt team. They can be 12-0, and and Tennessee can be 4-8. and No excuses. You have to be able to put... You have to be able to show that you are the more talented team on the football field. Not on YouTube. Not on Instagram. Not on... Not on someone's Snapchat, but when it counts, on the football field for 60 minutes. And it is, and it would be quite embarrassing for the fan base to lose three straight to a team whose stadium is less than half the size of Neyland Stadium, which is one of the top ten biggest stadiums in the country. Where it's basically a home game. And football on Vanderbilt's campus isn't even... as big as it is on UT's campus. So they really cannot lose. Well, once again, this season has not been as successful as we would want. Obviously, putting up 50 points on us is not a great way to end the season. But as I said, it has not been a flop. And Saturday is an opportunity to get back to a bowl game, extend the season, keep getting better, and hopefully, and hopefully win a, a, even though it'll be a low, a low stakes bowl game, win the bowl game, carry momentum into the recruiting season, get some new recruits, and bring that momentum into spring and summer training camp to have a successful season next, next fall. I'm not saying that Tennessee is going to copy Kirby Smart's program, but Georgia did, was a seven-win team in Kirby Smart's first year, and we all know what happened in that second year. So, I'm not saying Tennessee is national championship bound in 2019, but we'll get, we'll get to that topic in due time. We have a huge college football game on our hands this Saturday. Not a game, but as they call it, the game. Michigan-Ohio State. Two- College football, powerhouse, storied programs, going at it in the horseshoe in Columbus with a place in the Big Ten Championship on the line. The college football playoff committee will have their eyes and ears locked into this matchup, and I am so excited. I am so excited to hopefully see Michigan destroy Ohio State Destroy the loser and the cheater and the terrible person that Urban Meyer is and wipe them off the the rank wipe them off the radar of the college football playoff committee. I don't want to hear any more <coughs> excuse me. I don't want to hear any more. Ohio State deserves to be in the playoff. They could be a one loss Big Ten champion. I don't want to hear that. And even if Ohio State wins this week, they have no business being talked about in the playoff. But since it's the college football playoff committee and it's Ohio State, you never know. I just want no doubts 
I want Michigan to knock them out of contention. They can go to a nice New Year's Six Bowl game, but I want no words that say Ohio State on that top four on the, on the, on the Sunday after the conference championship game. Michigan needs to end Ohio State's run and show Urban Meyer that cheaters and lousy people don't win in the end. But Michigan isn't playing this game to knock out Ohio State. Michigan is playing this game so they can continue their storied season. This is the biggest Michigan football game in a very, very long time. And I am aware that a college football playoff berth was on the line just two years ago in Columbus when Curtis Samuel won in that epic classic on that game-winning touchdown where Michigan outplayed Ohio State the majority of the game, but JT Barrett kept Michigan in it and Harbaugh couldn't close the deal. It's bigger than that because this is when Harbaugh is supposed to be contending for the college football playoff. His fourth year at Michigan, no excuses now, no excuses of you have to develop the program, you have to get your recruiting, you had... You have most of the team, if not all, are your recruits. You have your quarterback who you've lacked your first three years. And you're playing against a team that is not as good as you. There is no excuse to come up short. This is the game where Jim Harbaugh silences the critics for good. But it's going to be tough. I don't think Ohio State is a very good football team. Almost losing to Maryland. Barely squeaking by... Nebraska getting destroyed by Purdue, who is a 500 team. It will be a, who will be a five or six win team at the end of this season. Getting destroyed, wiped, wrecked. All the words, even the words that I can't say. Everything went wrong against Purdue, but Ohio State, after an embarrassing performance last week, I expect their best shot. I expect the crowd to be in it, and I expect Michigan to have to play a full and complete game in order to beat the Buckeyes, which I do think they will do. But it will not be easy, as no rivalry game is easy. But the college football world will be watching arguably the biggest rivalry in college football. That's debatable between Michigan-Ohio State, obviously, Alabama-Auburn, Georgia-Florida, but the game will be the game that everyone is watching on Saturday, and I cannot wait. Today, on Turkey Day, we had a crazy day of football in the NFL. We always have the Lions, who play at 1230 after the parade, and then the Dallas Cowboys at Jerry World, as they call it, at 4 o'clock Eastern, play at home always. And we always have that, that Sunday night game on a Thursday, which two different teams. And my Falcons, who looked absolutely horrible tonight, and I will get into that in a minute after I recap these first two games. Bears versus Lions. There is a reason why Matthew Stafford is a good, a very good, but nowhere near an elite quarterback in the NFL. You do not throw two interceptions in the fourth quarter against a Chase Daniel-led team. 
and expect to be considered a top quarterback. That's just not how it works. I know the Bears' defense is great with Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd, Roquan Smith, who went to Georgia, Eddie Jackson, I, Akeem Hicks. They're all great. But you cannot lose to Chase Daniel, Matthew Stafford, and expect to be considered elite. When they're paying you that top dollar as they are, you've got to win that game. You've got seven losses, and your season is basically done. It's unacceptable. There's reasons why Matthew Stafford has never won a playoff game. There's reasons why Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson, those guys are in a different tier and category than you, Matthew Stafford. He can't win the big games. He can't win the games that he's put, in, he's put himself in a position to win. He's played a clean game throughout, and he cannot finish. And even if Trubisky was starting today, I wouldn't give him any more slack if he lost that game how he lost it. It's just not acceptable. Teddy Galladay could be a legit wide receiver one for the next few years. Maybe like a Devontae Adams 2.0, like a number two or three receiver, and then you lose your veteran receiver... The Packers lost Jordy Nelson. The Lions traded their veteran Golden Tate. Maybe next year is the year, or maybe even at the end of this year, that Kenny Galladay explodes and has a Devontae Adams 2018 season in 2019. So it's not like Matthew Stafford doesn't have the talent. It just gets on my nerves with how good and all the records and the numbers that he's put up. And he's still not elite because he can't get over that hump. And... The Chicago Bears, even though they lost today, I still do think they are in a prime position to win that division. A division that is pretty weak. I mean, I'm not sold on Minnesota. They looked god-awful last week. They've, ha- they've been up and down. Like We saw that, that, that almost tragedy. Not a tragedy. We saw that disaster against Buffalo, but we've seen them bounce back. I'm just not- Kirk Cousins is shaky. He's good, not great. Same with Matthew Stafford, making top dollar, not executing when it counts. Aaron Rodgers, arguably the best quarterback in the NFL right now, doesn't have a great supporting cast. Mike McCarthy could be on his way out. Lost to the Seahawks a few weeks ago. I'm not sold on them. So it really is the Bears' division to lose. The Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Redskins. If Dallas lost this game today, which they won, then I would have called for Jason Garrett's firing. There would have been no excuse to lose to a Colt McCoy-led team in Jerry World on Thanksgiving with the division up for the taking. But man, I'm not going to sit up here and be like, oh my gosh, the Dallas Cowboys are Super Bowl contenders. They could beat New Orleans. They could beat the Rams. They could beat whoever that third best team in the NFC is right now. We don't know. I'm not going to go up here and be like, conference championship, book it. But darn did that. Cowboys offense look different today. Amari Cooper brings brings an extra step of energy and athleticism that they just don't have with Cole Beasley, Alan Hearns, Jeff Swaim. Deontay Thompson, all those good wide third, fourth option receivers, but none of them are a true wide receiver one like Cooper is. 
He brought, he brought a certain energy that Dallas lacked, and it is really paying dividends. You saw it today, that burst of speed on that 90-yard touchdown and that Fultz free throw celebration. That was some good stuff. But darn did that Cowboys offense look good. And they're the Dallas Cowboys, so they make everything interesting. It always comes down to an onside kick. They're never going to win a game cleanly, but they got to win. They're 6-5. and five. They're in first place in the weakest division in football by far. And the Dallas Cowboys, now it's their division to lose. Dak Prescott, show you are a top-dollar quarterback and win this division. Go and play New Orleans next week. Give Drew Brees your best shot. Play a clean game. Scott Winahan needs to run the ball with Zeke Elliott. Even though that Saints defense walked down my Falcons running game today, but they still have to run the ball. And Dallas, even if you don't win next week, don't get smacked. Prove that you can handle with the best, or else you can't be considered to be the best. And now I have to get to my Falcons. You look at the final score, 31-17. Vegas had it, Saints minus 13. And it is crazy, it's creepy how accurate Vegas is. But if you watch the game, it felt like 51-17. I mean, the Falcons shot themselves in the foot tonight. Turnovers inside the red zone. That pick six. Which really was which was turned back, just killed us. We couldn't execute. We couldn't get the necessary stops. It was a disaster. Julio Jones fumbles. Calvin Ridley fumbles. The tipped interception. You ha- the first two drives of the game after picking off Drew Brees, we were in we were in the red zone and we only got three points out of it. That fourth down and two where we all we needed is Austin Hooper to go, to sit down two yards past the sticks and get the first down. Just throw it and sit down. We don't need a big play into double coverage. Just two yards, and we couldn't get it. It got on my nerves. It didn't get on my nerves that we lost to a better football team because I knew we were going to lose. It got on my nerves because I knew that the Falcons had a chance to win this game. Because the New Orleans Saints, their offense wasn't incredible tonight. I mean, 31 points, I'll take 31 points any day against that team. But the Falcons had opportunities and opportunities. And it just felt like the Saints were about to blow the game open. And then it was a two-possession game. And then the fumble. And then it was just a disaster tonight. You can't expect... To be a playoff team if you cannot execute and take advantage when the opposing team is not playing to their standards. (coughs) There are reasons why the New Orleans Saints, in my mind, are the best team in the the, the NFL. And they showed that by finding ways to win. You saw Marshawn Lattimore's play. The announcers got it perfectly right. Busted coverage. On Calvin Ridley, Ridley was about to score. Lattimore could have just given up on the play, given up the touchdown. But they found a way to get him back, to get Calvin Ridley back for that, for that good route, good throw. 
strips the ball, doesn't give up on the play, fumble, Saints take over, and that officially ends the game. The Saints never gave up tonight. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't pretty. Drew Brees had that interception, especially he'd want to have back. But good teams find ways to win, especially in prime time trap game and trap game division settings. The New Orleans Saints were impressive tonight. They they were impressive not necessarily on the 48 minutes, but they are impressive on their resilience and their will to never give up. I just want to share the box score. Matt Ryan completed 35 passes, <coughs> excuse me, for 377 yards. Two touchdowns, one interception, a, Q, a rating of 103, and Drew Brees completed a whopping... 15 passes for a grand total of 171 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. He's outthrown by Matt Ryan, and nevertheless, Drew Brees walks away with the win in the Big Easy. Drew Brees is throwing these touchdowns to guys I have never even heard of. Who is Dan Arnold, Tommy Lee Lewis, Austin Carr, and Keith Kirkwood? Who are these people? The leading receiver for the Saints tonight was Dan Arnold, not Michael Thomas, not Ben Watson, not Kamara, but Dan Arnold with a grand total of 45 yards. <coughs> and the Falcons' leading receiver was Julio with 147 yards, no touchdowns, and 11 catches, and of course, that devastating fumble. If I told you that stat, and you weren't listening to this entire podcast, you would have been like, Harris, Falcons win that football game. Matt Ryan threw more. The Saint Michael Thomas wasn't Michael Thomas was quiet. Six targets, four catches for 38 yards. That's disappointing. But they didn't. Drew Brees finds ways to win. And it's darn impressive. <clears throat> so now the Atlanta Falcons are sitting at four and seven, one and four on the road, and injuries have devastated us this entire season. I just want to look back at our schedule and just and just recap what could have been this year. The Eagles, eighteen to twelve. That last play in the end zone, Julio could have gotten it, didn't, just like the end in the NFC division game last year. Just missed out. 